1: Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, March 23rd. Coming up today.
2: Calm returns to markets following yesterday's Fed decision.
1: Fed Chair Jay Powell says more rate hikes are in store if inflation persists. But the bond market has a different take predicting rate cuts instead. And now it's the Bank of England's turn to make a policy decision.
3: A grand jury in New York City could hear from one more witness today in Donald Trump's case, plus a standoff at a Manhattan high-rise. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead.
4: I'm John Stash, Sharon Sports. The Knicks lost in Miami. Wide receiver moves made by the Jets and the NCAA tournament resumes tonight at the Garden.
3: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts.
2: Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today.
2: The lift in futures this morning comes on the heels of an equity sell off. Stocks sank yesterday after a ninth straight rate hike from the Federal Reserve and signals from Chair Jay Powell that more could be coming. If we need to raise, high, raise rates higher, we will. I think for now,
5: though, we, we as, as I've mentioned, we see the likelihood of credit tightening. We know that that can have a, you know, an effect on the macro economy, on demand, on labor market, on inflation, and we're going to be watching to see what that is.
2: Well, critics are weighing in on those remarks from j Powell. Former Fed Vice Chair Alan Blinder says he should have taken a different approach.
5: I think very much that the right decision today would have been a pause with words saying we're waiting to see if the dust clears and how it clears and we may be going up higher depending if, you know, if this crisis doesn't look too serious.
2: Alan Blinder is concerned the Fed could be underestimating the extent of the current banking crisis.
1: Well, Nathan, the markets are not buying Jay Powell's message about more rate hikes. In fact, they're pricing in rate cuts instead. And we get that story from Bloomberg's John Tucker, who joins us live. John, good morning.
3: Hi, Karen. Treasuries rallied yesterday after the Fed decision. And traders have ramped up bets. The central bank is soon going to reverse course and start cutting rates. They seem convinced the Fed will make an about phase probably in September The market view contrasts with the Fed guidance, which calls for at least one more hike. Uh, Chair Powell did push back on that market sentiment, saying rate cuts are not our base case. Investors think tighter Fed policy is leading to cracks in the economy, and will likely tip the United States into recession. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: John, thanks. The Swiss National Bank is also on the move this morning. Turmoil at Credit Suisse is not stopping that central bank from tightening policy. The SNB's hiked rates by 50 basis points, taking its policy rate to one and a half percent.
1: Now, Nathan, it's the Bank of England's turn. We get a rate decision across the pond at 8 a.m. Eastern today. And Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden is at the BOE and has a preview.
6: There had been economists wondering at the start of the week whether all the recent banking stress meant that financial conditions have tightened so much that the legwork's been done for the Bank of England that another hike would be deflationary or that it would undermine the already weak economy. But now the consensus is for a quarter point hike which would take rates to 4.25%, be the highest level since 2008.
1: And Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden points out the pound is trading near a two month high ahead of the BOE decision. Now
2: well, we continue, Karen, to follow the latest developments on the banking crisis and the response from Washington. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. is not considering blanket deposit insurance without first working with Congress.
6: It's important to be clear shareholders and debt holders of the failed banks are not being protected by the government, and no losses from the resolution of these banks are being borne by the taxpayer. Deposit protection is provided by the Deposit Insurance Fund, which is funded by fees on insured banks.
2: And Treasury Secretary Yellen says executives responsible for bank collapses should not be profiting when stockholders and investors take losses.
1: Well, Jane Fraser is weighing in on the banking turmoil, Nathan. The CEO of Citigroup says the ability to move millions of dollars with just a few clicks is a sea-change moment for the risk of bank runs.
6: There were a couple of tweets, um, and then this thing this thing went down much faster than has happened in history. And frankly, I think the regulators did a good job in responding very quickly, um, because normally you have longer um, to respond to this.
1: Citigroup CEO Jane Fraser made the comments in an interview with David Rubenstein. Stay tuned for more of that conversation coming up shortly on Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: And we continue to watch First Republic Bank this morning, Karen. The shares are up 3.6 percent, but it's not all good news for the bank. And we get more live from Bloomberg, Steve Rappaport. Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The San Francisco lender was hit with a ratings downgrade for the second time in less than a week. Fitch lowered First Republic's long-term issuer default rating from B to double B. The bank received the cash infusion of $30 billion from a group of major firms. Fitch analysts view the funding as the primary ratings constraint. Meanwhile, First Republic, in a regulatory filing, says Top Brass agreed to forego bonuses and other compensation this year. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, Steve, thanks. And in politics today, TikTok is front and center on Capitol Hill. The company's CEO tries to convince lawmakers today that China has no influence over the app's data. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Show Chu plans to tell Congress the TikTok app does more to protect young users than other social media rivals. Chu will appear before the House Energy and Commerce Committee, where he will be grilled on teen safety and the app's impact on mental health. But he'll also face questions about national security. In prepared comments reviewed by Bloomberg News, Chu will tell lawmakers they would never share information demanded by the Communist Party as TikTok tries to convince lawmakers the company should be allowed to continue operating in the U.S. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: It's 48 degrees in New York. Apache patchy fog this morning, but it's going to be cloudy, breezy, with some passing showers this afternoon heading to the low 60s. Showers end this evening. We'll get down to the upper 40s. Let's take a look at some of the other stories making news in
3: New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The grand jury in the Manhattan DA's probe into Donald Trump was delayed and will reconvene later today. Trump is accused of paying hush money in 2016 to an adult film star. Jurors were informed at least one additional witness may be called to testify before they decide whether to indict the former president. Outside the courthouse in Lower Manhattan, this woman supports Trump.
0: Look, he's not perfect. Are any of us perfect? But he loves our country, and they put him through so much, and he's still going to do it again, and we're going to win.
3: Meanwhile, this man says he wants to see a mugshot of him. Yes. I, I mean,
2: I don't know about this crime, but multiple other crimes. I mean, January 6th alone,
4: he he should be in prison.
3: New York is still bracing for protests. The former president also lost a court battle to keep legal details secret from the Justice Department about his alleged mishandling of classified information after he left the White House. It appears to clear the way for Special Counsel Jack Smith to force one of Trump's private lawyers to testify before a grand jury. Approval of President Joe Biden has dipped nearing the lowest point of his presidency. According to the Associated Press NORC poll. the president notched an approval rating of just 38 percent. The U.S. questions China's message to Russia about how to end the war in Ukraine. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. The U.S. is basing that on the fact that the day after the Xi-Putin summit, Russia launched a barrage of missiles. NSC spokesman John Kirby. If China really wants to
1: to uh, to be helpful in that regard, they should be urging President Putin to get out of Ukraine. Here we are the day after, and Mr. Putin is launching more drones and missiles into Ukraine. So. I don't know if President Xi delivered that message, but if he did, Mr. Putin ignored it.
3: Kirby says the other possibility is that Vladimir Putin doesn't support China's peace plan. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. A dramatic standoff played out 30 floors above a Manhattan street yesterday. It all began when the FBI tried to execute an arrest warrant at a luxury high-rise just steps away from Carnegie Hall. The man barricaded himself inside the apartment and then was perched on the ledge of the window threatening to jump. An NYPD officer finally rappelled down from the floor above and was able to get the suspect inside. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan.
2: Thanks, Michael.
4: Time out for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, Knicks had beaten the Heat twice this season, both nail-biting games not decided until the end. This time in Miami, Knicks fell short, 127-120. to Jimmy Butler, 37 points for the Heat. R.J. Barrett had 26 for the Knicks. Jalen Brunson, 25. But Julius Randle went from 57 points the other night down to 15. Same two teams will play next week at the Garden. Knicks are trying to hold on to fifth place in the East. They lead Miami and Brooklyn by two games. The Nets play tonight at Cleveland. At the Garden, it's the start of the NCAA Tournament Sweet 16. And up first, it's Kansas State against Michigan State. And both teams have top scorers who are New York natives. K-State's Marquise Knowles from Harlem. The Spartans' Tyson Walker is from Long Island. His coach is Tom Izzo. He does have
5: that that swagger about him. Uh, you know, his is a little more, uh, I think sometimes... The New York swagger is a very cocky swagger, and sometimes that's good. you got to be – he's kind of had the happy medium, you know. He's got enough cockiness to be confident, and yet he's an unbelievable kid.
4: Izzo in his 28th season in Michigan State, the Kansas State coach Jerome Tangs in his first season. Later, it's Tennessee versus Florida Atlantic, also a doubleheader in Vegas. UConn against Arkansas, UCLA meets Gonzaga. The Jets drafted wide receiver Elijah Moore in the second round two years ago. Good rookie season, not as good this past year. Midway through, he demanded a trade. The Jets traded Moore. To Cleveland, they get a second-round draft pick back, and the Jets signed a free agent wideout, Nicole Hardman spent the last four seasons of Kansas City, won two Super Bowls. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Do you love Elon Musk?
2: Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? listen wherever you get your podcasts
3: live from coast to coast from new york to san francisco boston to washington dc nationwide on sirius xm the bloomberg business app and bloomberg.com this is bloomberg daybreak good morning i'm nathan hager in j the markets trust
2: those are the words from Citigroup CEO Jane Fraser, who says she supports Chairman Powell's efforts to fight inflation and appreciates how clearly he has stated that crushing inflation is the Fed's number one goal. Jane Fraser sat down with Bloomberg's David Rubenstein at an event at the Economic Club in Washington. They discussed the Fed and the recent string of bank failures and what it all means for the U.S. economy. Here is part of that conversation now.
6: The Fed's job number one is fighting inflation and we want the Fed to be very dependable in fighting inflation and that should be their most important priority. There are ramifications of it um, but there are certain banks which would say are are an isolated few that have really been impacted very negatively that didn't necessarily manage their balance sheets that well.
5: And do you think that was the right decision to protect only the depositors and say goodbye to the shareholders and goodbye to the creditors?
6: I think it's, it's very important to protect the depositors. Right now, the banking system um, everywhere around the world depends on confidence. And that confidence has to be in the safety and security of deposits. So in terms of the the most important job here, they did the most important job, which is making sure the depositors were whole.
5: So in the old days, uh, you, when there were bank runs, you used to see people lined up outside yeah. the street and get their money out. Now you just on your iPhone or whatever phone you have, you can take your money out. So money moves so quickly. Uh, Was that a factor as well in having the money Get out of a bank so quickly on the waiting line. You can just do it over there.
6: Uh, it, it's a complete game changer from what we've seen before, David. You're absolutely right. Um, there were a couple of tweets, um, and then this thing this thing went down much faster than has happened in history. And Frankly, I think the regulators did a good job in responding very quickly um, because normally you have longer um, to respond to this. So they they acted with uh, quite a lot of speed, given how quickly this happened.
5: So some people say. The you have a moral hazard when you when you protect people. So by protecting all the depositors in Silicon Valley Bank, the implication was that if somebody else has a problem, we'll protect them and so forth. And so the $250,000 limit is meaningless, more or less. Uh, or do you think mm-hmm. the Federal Reserve and the uh, Secretary of Treasury are saying, we're not going to protect every depositor or we're going to protect certain depositors?
6: I don't think they need to go out right now because the banking system is pretty sound. And and we're talking about a few banks. We heard it from the Chairman Powell. Um, This is not something that is spread across the entire banking system. This isn't like it was last time. This is not a credit crisis. Um, This is a situation where it's a few banks um, that have some problems, and it's better to make sure that we nip that in the bud.
5: As we talk today, uh, the Federal Reserve has announced that it's going to increase uh, the federal discount rate by another 25 basis points, which was Mm -hmm. probably not a surprise to the market. Uh, Do you think that was the right decision, though?
6: Look, I think it was a tough decision. Was Jay going to pause? Was he going to um, increase it by the 25 bips or more? Um, I think what he said was, frankly, jolly sensible, if you'll pardon the British expression. Um, I do that occasionally. Um, He he said, we don't know how much credit tightening is going to come from what's gone on in the last couple of weeks. We don't quite know what's going to happen there. So, But we do know that inflation is a real problem. It's persistent. It's starting to come off. But he has to tackle this. And in, in J, the markets trust, and many of us do, that they're going to tackle inflation hard. But let's also see what the data is. Do
5: you see any evidence in the information data that City has that we are heading for a recession? If yeah. so, when might you think we would See the evidence of that.
6: Yeah, I mean, we've certainly been expecting that a, a recession could well be could well be happening in the second half of the year. If one does occur, we don't think it'll be that heavy because normally when you're heading into some tougher times, you know, the consumers not in such good health. The the, the companies aren't, the banks aren't. Whereas that's not the case right now. The consumer is in good health. The corporate balance sheets are strong, and the banks are strong. So the factors that typically amplify a recession are not in in play at the moment. So um, we have to make sure there's nothing crazy happens in the geopolitical world that would change it, but we could well have a mild recession. The last couple of weeks could make that a bit more likely. It doesn't feel like it's gonna be a tough one, and the US economy is likely to pull out of it pretty quickly.